Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. I'd like to read the text this morning and then pray. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Let's pray. Lord, we praise and thank you that we have a God who is worthy of praise. You are not a God we could have invented. Your gospel way, the plan of salvation, was not something we would have come up in our own wisdom. And we needed the God of heaven, the eternal, all-powerful, all-wise God, who holds the earth and the heavens in His hands, uh, 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 to, to, to make a way for us to be reconciled to you. You created us in your image. You desired fellowship. We turned and everyone went his own way. And that fellowship was destroyed and broken. But Lord, you desire to restore uh, through the very perfect image of your Son, uh, us made in your image to yourself. And you've done that through the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. We thank you that the Son of God uh, left uh, left uh, heaven and came and dwelt among men, born from a virgin, born as a baby, uh, lived as a child, uh, lived as an adult, proclaimed the truth that there is no other way to, to the Father except through Him. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus who lived perfectly the life that we didn't live, uh, who died the death that we should have died and has given us uh, free and open access to the Father through Him. We thank You for the Holy Spirit who applies the work of Jesus to our hearts and writes Your will, Your, your Word in our hearts and uh, adopts us into Your family. And we praise You for that good news. And Lord, as we understand now the, the, the way that You have come, the way that You have joined us to You, we pray that we would realize what flows out of that then together with being people uh, of God and being brothers and sisters together. And our lives would be a reflection of the work that you've done in our hearts uh, as we share in fellowship with each other and we serve one another. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that our, our care for one another, our, our love for one another, our serving one another would be so distinct from the world that they would understand that uh, there is hope that, these, that, that, that this church has. There is a, uh, a, a real uh, uh, purpose in life. And I pray that uh, they would indeed know that we are followers of Christ by our, our, uh, our sharing uh, with one another. Lord, I pray that you would open up gospel opportunities. I pray that we would be able to share the love of Christ and what, makes us, what has made us able to be a part of your family with our networks uh, around us. Lord, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. Uh, it is why uh, particularly we can stand here and praise you. That the wisdom of God, that is the foolishness uh, uh, to an unsaved world, is the only path to full freedom and life in you. And I pray this morning as we look into the word that you would use it to uh, change our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had to adjust to something new and better? 
if we, we live in the electronic age and we're constantly adjusting to, uh, to uh, the newest uh, uh, system, the newest uh, device that's supposed to help our lives and make things simpler, sometimes adds more complication and sometimes adds uh, more of the world that we didn't want in our lives to it. Um, <clears throat> I remember when we moved here from, from Oregon to Maine, there was adjustment that we had to make moving from Oregon to Maine. Where we lived in Oregon, they called the Silicon Forest, like the Silicon Valley in California, and things were relatively high-tech. The computer uh, company Intel is there, and Nike headquarters are there, and uh, it, was a, uh, it was a very uh, pro- progressive society uh, there. There was a Starbucks uh, uh, literally on every corner all around us, and I'm not a Starbucks person, so I don't really care about that, uh, but for some people in our family, that was important. And then we moved here to Maine, where uh, things close at 5 o'clock. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you better leave at 4 if you're going to get there uh, before it closes. Uh, and there were some adjustments that needed to happen. And um, I guess uh, I, I would echo the, the sentiments of uh, folks from out-of-staters who, out-of-staters who moved to Maine. I got here as soon as I could, and I, and I have uh, long, uh, loved to, uh, uh, come to love and appreciate it. Uh, but the point of it all was that, that um, uh, there are things that we had to adjust to. <clears throat> Perhaps there's something in your life that you had to adjust to, that you were used to after a certain pattern of your life, certain habits, and all of a sudden things changed. To these Jewish believers that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, there were things that they really needed to adjust to. Imagine your whole life that you were used to uh, going to the temple in Jerusalem and making the pilgrimages there that they were commanded to make and offering your sacrifices and and, uh, all the the various rituals that went along with with Judaism and and Moses' law. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jesus Christ came, you embraced that message, you accepted that message, but you were wondering, well, when I worship God under the old ways, I would bring a lamb. Or I would go to the temple, or I would have a human priest who would be the one who would be the mediator between God and me, the one who would uh, present my offering to God. And now we're told, I don't need to go to the temple. Now I don't need a sacrificial lamb. Jesus was my sacrificial lamb. Am I really worshiping? Because all the things that were so tangible and, 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 and things that they could uh, touch and things that were such a part of their life was now gone. And the writer of Hebrews says, this now is how you worship. This how is how you worship. And this morning as we come to our text in Hebrews chapter 13 and 15, uh, Hebrews 13, 15 and 16, you're probably wondering, well, he's really drawing out chapter 13 here. It seems like we spent a lot of weeks in that. And that is correct because chapters uh, 1 through 12 have laid out for us the foundation of one, which we stand. And chapter 13 is now working that out. In fact, if you remember in chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Let brotherly love continue. Continue out of what? Continue out of what Christ has done for us. And he lays out some very practical things. And in chapter, uh, chapter 13, and verse 2, he talks about Christian hospitality. And verse 3, he talks about remembering those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Care for those who are in prison. Probably specifically referencing persecuted, other persecuted believers. And he says, and them which suffer adversity or hardships as being yourselves also in the body. In other words, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then verse 4, he's talking about marriage and purity in marriage. 
And verse 5, he's talked about uh, uh, possessions and, and uh, being content with the things that you have and using your possessions in the right way and putting them in the right priority. And verse 7, he reminds them of their leaders who have labored perhaps even to the point of death and being martyred for the faith. And he says, whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation, the end of their life. He's reminded them that those things have changed in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today forever. It's the same Jesus Christ. And in verse 9, he's reminded them in their, in their, in their, um, in their teaching and among their church communities, don't be carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Don't go back to thinking that tangible things is, is what changes your heart. Things you can touch and taste and, and smell. He says, no, you have a heart that is established with grace in verse 9 through Christ. And then in verse 10, we looked at last time of if we're going to walk with Jesus, we will not find him in what is popular. We will not find him uh, in what is embraced by, by the unbeliever. We will find him outside of the camp. We have an altar, the, 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 the sacrifice of Jesus, verse 10, whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. They have no right to eat of Jesus. Those who are part of the tabernacle, those who are part of the old ways, because they do not believe He's the Messiah. But we who have placed our faith in Jesus, the, the uh, crucified and buried and resurrected Messiah, we now have the right to eat of Jesus. We have the right to, to believe, to come to Jesus. And in verse 12, he reminds us, Jesus came that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. And he suffered without the gate, outside of the city. Then verse 13 reminds us, that's where we're going to find Jesus. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Why? Because we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And so it's on the basis of that that he says, by him. By him in verse 15. And if I could summarize these two verses in this way, kind of uh, uh, in an amplified way, he's saying this, Therefore, by Jesus Christ, who suffered outside the gate, in order to sanctify, or to set apart, or to make holy uh, the people through his own blood, let us then present in worship to God the sacrifice and offering of words of honor to God without interruption, without stopping, which is identical, he says, to the outcome of our lips. He says this is what it looks like. It's our, it's, it's our lips publicly confessing His nature and His ways that His name represents. And then in verse 16 he's saying, do not neglect, do not forget, also, to not just have word, but also deeds, do not neglect to perform good deeds and to share together because God is especially well pleased with this kind of sacrificial offering of worship. And that's what he's saying in these two verses here, in my own words. In other words, through Jesus giving his all out of love, even to the extent of being crucified as a criminal outside of the camp, forsaken, abandoned. When we identify with what, when we receive what Jesus has done and we identify with Him outside of the camp, we can worship and we can proclaim His goodness with our word and our sacrificial deeds for others. That's the point of verse 15 and 16. And so, first of all, in verse 15, you're going to see the channel. 
the channel. <clears throat> Notice he says in verse 15, by him therefore, by him therefore. And he's saying the way to approach God and worship is through the channel of Jesus Christ. By Him. Through Him. On the basis of His sacrifice. On the basis of our being accepted by God. Through Jesus. On our behalf. Now we can appropriately and properly worship Him. And here's how we do it. You see, if you didn't come here If you came here to worship, you missed the point already. You come here already worshiping. And this is just another part of it. Worship as a believer is not a one day a week thing. We do not worship a God just of Sunday and the rest of the week is is something else we worship. That's the pagan beliefs. The, The Gentiles and the pagans all around Israel worship the God of the hills. And they had a God of the valleys, and they had a God of the stars. But no, Yahweh, the God of Israel, was the God over everything. And so it is for the believer here in Christ. Jesus is the God of everything. The Father is the God of everything. The Spirit is the God of everything. And He is to be a part of our worship, not just here in this hour that we have together, but through the whole week. Now there's something special about when the church assembles together, isn't it? Um, something a little better than hearing yourself sing all week, right? Something a little uh, better than, than only having your time alone with God when, when you can gather together with other believers. And we can uh, sing with one voice. Uh, we can listen together and obey with one heart. There's something special about that. But that is not the extent of our worship, is it? That's just a part of it. That is a part of it. Um, and it is very important, which is why... Chapter 10 uh, reminds them to assemble and gather gather together and to provoke one another to love and good works. That's the sharing that needs to happen. But first of all, look at the channel in verse 15, by him or through him. So because we've been accepted by God, we worship him not for merit, not to be accepted by God, but because we are accepted by God. And that's what makes Christianity different from the other religions, isn't it? The other religions offer things so that they can be accepted by whatever they worship. We offer because we have been accepted through Jesus. And that's huge. We we do it by reflection because of Him, not to replace Him. And that's important. And how do we do that? Well, if we look at the preceding verses, we identify an abandonment of Him outside of the camp. Uh, We do not have divided loves and compromise, but real surrender. We are people who are to have wholehearted worship. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. Wholehearted worship. Uh, uh, We are not worshiping in selfishness. We are not worshiping of worry about what others think. Or living in a world system, navigating by our own personal preferences. We are identifying with Him outside of the camp. And that is the way, that is the approach, that is the exit on the highway here of how we are to uh, uh, approach God. So we have the channel of God. First of all, it's very obvious that this channel is one uh, through the one who has suffered. Look again in in verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. We have the 
we, we, we cannot add anything to Jesus' sacrifice. And so our acts of worship are not con- contributions here to God. They are out of a love for God about it, of what he's done for us. But secondly, you also notice that uh, the channel uh, through which we can worship, the one Jesus, is the one who sanctifies his people or makes us holy. And that ought to strike a question in your mind. Okay. Why has Jesus saved us? To make us holy. What is holiness? It's reflecting who God is. And who is God? God is love. God loves others. God loves his children. And God loves unbelievers, which is why he sent his son, to make them believers, right? And if you read the book of, 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 uh, of Ephesians, in chapter 2, 1 through 10, you're going to see, here were we without Christ, but then Christ uh, made us alive in him. And then out of that, Ephesians 2.10 says we are created unto good works. So God saved us for this purpose of showing good works. If you read Titus 2 and Titus chapter 3, he tells us that God redeemed a unique people who are supposed to be zealous of good works. So he saves us not to sit on the shelf and say, okay, you came to me, I died for you, now you're free to go. No, 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 no. And I'm afraid that's what so much of Christianity uh, 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 in a shallow way teaches. No, real Christianity teaches that God saved us and He sanctifies us not so that we're just free to go now on our own, but so that we come to Him. So that we come to Him. And we have a Father. And we love that Father. And we live the life of Christ who died for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the channel. He's the channel. It is to God, through Him, to the Father, through Him. Why, why is this possible? Because Jesus is our high priest. Remember what he said in chapter 4, verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the channel because Jesus is the high priest. He was the one who offered the sacrifice and he was the sacrifice. Chapter 7 and verse 25 says this, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God, notice these next two words again, by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests in Moses' day, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh them high priests, which have infirmity. The law, Moses' law, had people put in place who were part of the temple worship, who they themselves were sinners also. But verse 28 says, But the word of the oath, the word of the promise, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated, or who is made complete or perfect forevermore. Jesus is the channel because Jesus is the high priest. You can see this in in chapter 10, verse, verse 21 as well. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us then be free to go on our own, right? No, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart, 
sincere heart, and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And notice again, because of what he's done for me, this is how to flow out into others. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. So because Jesus is the one who has sacrificed, he is the one who has sanctified us, uh, he is the channel and the power for what we are called to do in the rest of the verses here. And God doesn't tell us to do something without providing the way to do it. Anytime there is a command of God, it is always coupled with what he has already provided. And that's why you read Romans 1 through 11 on what God has provided. And then chapter 12 says, on the basis of his mercies and present yourselves a living sacrifice. This happens over and over in scripture. And, and if we're only telling the commands of God without reminding ourselves of the power that he enables us to do it, then we are no different than Mormons. They were no different than uh, 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 any other religion that says just be a better person, right? Because God provides the power to do it in the way that honors and glorifies him. So let's now look, first of, uh, first of all, at the channel, now at the charge. Now he's going to tell us, now out of this, out of the through him, out of the channel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who brings us to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he says this in the rest of verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. And he explains what that is. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So he says, in, uh, uh, out, of, out of who you are in Christ, now praise God in word. And then he's going to say, praise God in deed. And the rest of the verse, uh, verse 16. So first of all, praise God in word. So we have, first of all, praise Praise. And then we'll come practice. Praise. We are told that everything that God um, um, bases His commands on is two things, right? Love God and love others. And this follows that pattern, doesn't it? He says, first of all, praise God. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> As I mentioned when we started this morning, when we say we glorify God, which is, which is a, 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 a part of praising God, we are not adding deposits, okay? Okay, I, I say I have some dollar bills in my pocket, okay? Here's $7 worth of God's glory that I'm going to give you, God, so your bank account's a little bit more full than it was. No, that's, that's, that's sacrilegious, isn't it? We cannot make God any more than what he already is. So what we are doing is we are ascribing greatness to our God. We are declaring uh, who, what He already is. We are saying what He is. And in fact, <clears throat> verse 15, where it says, uh, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. That phrase, giving thanks, in the original, is actually the same word that we get for confess. And the word for confess in the Greek language means to declare the same. To declare the same. And uh, perhaps other translations, you might, you might see that here. Um, uh, but the literal translation is, is to confess. Is to confess 
his name, confess to his name. Now, what does that mean? That means that when we are giving praise to God, we are telling others publicly and reminding ourselves of what he has already revealed to us. So when you sang this morning about God who is worthy of praise, the Almighty Father, uh, you, you sang praise him, praise him, all you little children, because he's love. You are declaring things, if our lyrics and our songs are accurate with scripture, sometimes they're not. You are declaring things that are already true about God. And so when you give a public testimony, you don't need to worry about what other thing, people think of you. What you are declaring is something that's already true about God, and that's why, uh, that's why we say amen to it. That's why when you hear a truth from Scripture and the, and the Spirit uh, says, yes, that's what the Word of God says. You say, amen. You're saying, so be it. This is true. I agree. And so our words of praise here in verse 15, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name, is actually confessing to His name. It is declaring the same about God that He's declared about Himself. You know where good fuel for that is? Good fuel for that's in the Psalms, isn't it? A good fuel for that is, like we're studying in, in our particular Sunday school class, the road to Emmaus, seeing God's promise plan and saying, look at what he's done, look at his work. And our hearts overflowing in praise to God and declaring that. Uh, fuel for, for, for uh, 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 this, this declaring of who God is, is looking at what is written about God and saying, okay, the word of God says that Jesus was our eternal sacrifice. You know what that means? That means I don't got to go go around trying to work something up. God's already provided it. Or the word says uh, that our Father is a Father who will never leave us or forsake us. Well, my Father may have left me and forsaken me. Or maybe I had a Father who was faithful in His family. But that really doesn't matter ultimately because I now have a Father who will never leave or forsake me. And so I declare that truth about my Father, and I rejoice and I worship. And you know what? God is well pleased with that. He's well pleased. When we think God's thoughts after Him, which is what um, the meditation of Scripture is, thinking about what He's already declared about Himself, and we express that with our lips, not just in our heads, but we are publicly confessing it, That pleases God. How do we know this? Well, look at the end. He says, For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. God is well pleased. So there's the praise aspect, declaring who God is and what He's done in line with the truths of Scripture. But also, there is in verse 16, He says, And don't just let it be your words, because He says, But to do good and to communicate, forget not. So he's, he's already said uh, earlier, he says, remember, he says, do not neglect um, um, certain things. Now he kind of says that again. He says, um, uh, to do good and to communicate, the word communicate there isn't like we're communicating here. I'm talking here. The word communicating, the original is the word koinonia. And the word koinonia means a shared fellowship, a shared participation, a sharing, a partaking together. And so you can understand it like this. But to do good deeds and to share together, do not forget, do not neglect. Why? 
For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he goes not only from word, but now to deed. Practice. Um, Ephesians 2, we're told that God has created us unto good works, which he created before uh, before the world. He prepared us to do. Um, Titus chapter 3, God redeemed the people who were to be zealous of good works. So out of or through Christ, we are, not, we are to love God and we are to love our neighbor. It gets back to those two basic things over and over, doesn't it? And here's the truth. You cannot love your neighbor without loving God. And you cannot love God and live as a hermit. You cannot love God without also loving your neighbor who are in the image of God. That's very important to understand because sometimes you can make a false distinction between the two, two, but they're actually intertwined, aren't they? If any man love not his brother, the love of what is not in him? Love of the Father, right? The love of the Father. So out of our love for God, we love our neighbor. And as we love God, we are loving our neighbor. And as we loving our neighbor, we're also loving God. Okay? So, so, it's a, so it works together that way. In other words, what are you saying is this. The reason we would forget to share and participate together, the reason we would forget to do good works, is because we would not be surrendering what God has blessed us with to bless others. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, he blesses him and he says, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. Which eventually comes through Jesus to all the nations. God always blesses us to bless others. God saves you to serve. Okay? And so, uh, if we're neglecting that, we have an area in our life that is not surrendered. And we need to say, on the basis, God, of all that you have done for me, that you tell me that nothing can separate me from the love that you have provided for me. Now I can bless others, and I repent of my selfishness. See, when you look at these verses in verse 16, what he really is saying is, be selfless, isn't he? And that's what servanthood is about. Surrender what God has blessed you with to bless others. Serve others. Now, uh, you might be wondering, well, that idea of share, that's kind of a broad term. So what does that mean? It is a broad term because there are many different ways we can share, can't we? Um, You can share experiences, can't you? Um, You can go through a trial uh, and, and other people can come alongside of you and bear your burdens with you. Uh, You can share in prayer together. Not just to pray for someone in a distant way, but you can come alongside and pray with someone. Now we all know you can share possessions and meet needs in that way. Uh, Share our our, our monies and our offerings. Uh, You can share uh, by relieving a burden. Let's say that there was someone who needed a couch or a chair removed from their house by Wednesday. (laughs) Two young, strong guys could go and do that and share that burden, couldn't they? There are all kinds of ways we can share. You can share meals. You can share resources. The idea is to share life together because koinonia, that word, communicate, koinonia is the sharing of what God has given you. And what has He given you? 
He's given you a spiritual unity with one another, hasn't he? There is one God, one Father, one Lord overall, one baptism, one faith. That's shared, isn't it? Okay, so out of that, then how do I share? What does it look like tangibly? Uh, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? Uh, I was thinking of you this week, uh, and uh, what are some things I can pray uh, for you this week? Or how can I pray with you right now? Or someone sharing their heart and things that are going on in their life and you stopping and saying, okay, let's pray together about that right now. Let's stop this, okay, I'll pray for you stuff. Okay? And let's do it. <laughs> Alright? Um, hey, here's something the Lord has really shared with me from His Word and I just wanted you to, 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 uh, to, to know what the Lord's doing with me. Oh, well, here's something I've... There, there's, there's, there, it is so broad. There's so many ways you can share, can't you? And God's gifted you different ways to, um, to serve and to uh, be one-minded and, and, uh, in different aspects here. But the idea here is a selflessness that looks to share. That has a posture that leans forward into sharing with one another. A serving. And I think there's a wonderful example of this in the time in the church that had the most unity ever. We will never see a time in the church... Again, that will have as much unity as Acts chapter 2. And the reason is the church was pure at that time. There was no false teaching that had entered into that time. And we can work toward that, understand that. And I don't want to pop anybody's bubbles here. Um, but that's, that's why in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came in and the Spirit uh, uh, brought them all together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Uh, and when I read these verses, I want you to think, share, 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 together. Look at, look at this, okay? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, or the prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. When you read those verses, you see a sharing, don't you? You see a togetherness, don't you? Because it's a direct act of the Holy Spirit dwelling in His people, isn't it? And the more we're in tune with God and His Word, the more that we are surrendered to Him, the more that we pursue righteousness and holiness, the more that we understand we've been sanctified by Jesus for this, the more, verse 16, becomes a reality, isn't it? But to do good and to communicate or to share, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When you counsel another person with the wisdom of Scripture, you're sharing, aren't you? You're participating. And what God has called them to. When you bring a meal over, you're sharing. When you have other people and practice hospitality, you are sharing. You are living this out. You are fleshing this out. Um, uh, when you are without covetousness and you are a person who uh, does not feel that you have exclusive claim on your possessions because you do not, they are God's possessions that He has given you as a steward for His, for his, uh, for his kingdom. Uh, you are fleshing this out, aren't you? When you are coming alongside and checking in and saying, hey, how are you doing on your Bible reading? How are you doing on your personal walk? 
And you are saying, is there anything I can pray with you about? You are participating. You are sharing. Now I understand that some of these things I'm talking about are, are things that you have to earn trust with other people, don't you? But you start and you build. You've got to build that. At the end of the book, in Hebrews 13, verse 21, he says, The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So everything that God has provided for you, here's what he wants to do through you. Verse 21. Make you complete or perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is what? Well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so when you put the end of verse 16, for with these things God is well pleased, and you put it in with a grand picture that everything in the book of Hebrews is meant to propel us toward in chapter 13 and verse 21, what you understand is in chapter 12, verse 28, where he says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. He's saying this is how God is pleased. This is acceptable worship to Him. Not to earn favor with God, but because He has already earned that favor in the person of Christ, and He has given that to you. In other words, another way to say this, is this is the pleasure of God and His people. When God sees his children blessing his other children and God sees his children looking for people who are not yet his children and investing in them so that they understand the way of Jesus, the love that Jesus shows, brings him pleasure. This is well-pleasing. Do you remember who else God the Father said this about? He said... At Jesus' baptism on the Mount of Transfiguration, two times he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, in whom I take pleasure. And the fact that the God of heaven has come into time and space through Jesus Christ, who loves us dearly, who has brought us to fellowship and walk with Him, says, here's how you bring me pleasure out of that. Should be a staggering thought, shouldn't it? This is well-pleasing in His sight. So I wonder, even today, to put this in practice as, 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 as we wrap things up and are dismissed, if you would find a, a, a one way, even today, before you leave, that you would participate and share in the life of another person. And perhaps it might be one person that you might not know as well. But put these things to practice, to do good and to communicate or to share together. Forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And why can he do that? Because of the channel Jesus Christ through his sacrifice and his suffering uh, that enable us to be made holy, to be sanctified through his blood that now overflows into now the charge to his people to, in the fruit of their lips, praising God, confessing him publicly, and then also the practice and working out that out through tangible things. All of this brings pleasure to God. Because it's like His Son. And His Son brings Him great pleasure. You see, God the Father 
and God the Spirit and God the Son who existed for all eternity had this particular characteristic always true of them. They shared together. They shared together. And through Jesus, he who is the fountain loves to share and communicate himself to all of us. And he loves to see image bearers who he has redeemed share that among themselves. Because they are reflecting the God of heaven, the triune God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit who is always shared 